Hey, Eagle Nation, it's Matt. I just wanted to give a little quick disclaimer that we recorded this episode before everything transpired this week with uh, who's going where as far as bowl games go. Um, we know now it's, it's pretty much all but official um, at the time of this recording that um, we are headed to Montgomery, Alabama for the Camellia Bowl. Um, so we actually re-recorded the uh, bowl segment of this episode, which you'll hear a little bit later. We also uh, discussed the Georgia State game and the, and the season as a whole. But if you hear any uh, mentions of, of us not really knowing where we're going bowling or, or even mentions of that we might be headed to Orlando or something like that, obviously that's not the case. That was all recorded uh, before um, all this happened, all these announcements happened. So uh, that's my uh, little disclaimer. So uh, thanks for listening as always to Gotta Talk and and uh, we hope you enjoy the episode. Eagle Nation, you're listening to Gotta Talk, a podcast dedicated to all things Georgia Southern football. Now, here's your hosts, Matt Monty and Cody Anderson. So the regular season is over, but uh, the season isn't over, Cody. We uh, still have some bowling to do. Uh, Georgia Southern uh, closing out the regular season with a victory from uh, over that commuter college from Atlanta, 35-14. to 14. Um, just, a, just a great way to end it um, in front of a, a huge road crowd that basically took over uh, Turner Field. Um, Eagles uh, ending the regular season 9-3 and three and 6-2 and two in the conference, Cody. Yeah, fantastic way in the season, um, and it just kind of highlights just how well of a job that Lunsford and his staff have done in turning things around here in Statesboro. Um, definitely got to give credit to the players because they put in the hard work and then went on the field and execute, but just a great win, a, a great way to end the season, um, and on the road too, and, and a great way for the fans, especially those Atlanta fans, to come out and really kind of take over that field and really give ourselves a home field advantage there. Yeah, it was funny, Cody. We kind of switched roles for this game, right? Uh, you, you were actually in Orlando, where I live, uh, on vacation with your family, and uh, I, I made the trip up to Atlanta. So I, w- I was there at the game where you were where I normally am in Orlando watching it on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, but, you know, it was, it was great to be there in person. It was great to see, uh, you know, just Eagle Nation take over um, that former Turner Field. Um, we'll we'll kind of get a little bit more into that uh, in a minute, what that uh, game day experience was, was like. But um, like you said, ju- just great to, to end it that way to, you know, end the season uh, with a win over our rival and, and, and getting wins over both of our rivals um, against Appalachian State and Georgia State. So, um, you know, already uh, matching the the win total from 2014 and 2015 uh with a chance for a 10th win yeah that all um elusive 10th win that we haven't been able to get in the 2014 and 2015 season so hopefully we'll get that um to kind of go back to the to the uh state game it was it, it's a it's fantastic to to beat this team because we know the past few years that we've had the better team we just for some reason didn't beat them and the 2015 is a is a very frustrating game um because that team that we had was better than that team um and then obviously we had the summer years in which that was just frustrating all the way around so it's a great way to finally beat this team um and kind of get the series back you know to to be a closer margin um and then hopefully in the next couple of years we'll kind of take back over that series lead and that won't ever be in jeopardy again. That's Cody. I'm Matt. Thanks for uh, listening. I got to talk in, in this episode. We're, uh, you know, kind of in a, in a limbo period, if you will, with, a, with kind of a, a bye week obviously uh, not making the, um, conference championship game. So that will be played out this weekend, uh, between Appalachian state and Louisiana Lafayette. Um, and you know, the winner of that game will kind of, uh, affect or could affect, uh, where Georgia Southern ends up in a bowl. So, so we'll get into that. Um, the bowl selections won't happen until, uh, after championship Saturday, they'll happen on, de- uh, December 2nd on Sunday. And then we'll, we'll have a follow-up, um, episode after that, uh, breaking down, you know, the, the, the bowl matchup and, and that pro- probably several things leading up because we'll have 
you know, at least uh, two weeks, if, if not three weeks after that selection um, to kind of get you ready for that game and, and uh, do, do some cool things there, maybe have on uh, some, some special guests and things like that. So a lot more in store, uh, but we'll, we'll definitely recap the season in this episode and, uh, you know, do some predictions and, and some speculation. And then that's, you know, what I've done a little bit of that in the past. Um, obviously, you know, there's a section of uh, Eagle Nation that, that wants to look at everything, you know, one and oh, you know, take it one game at a time. Well, guess what? The next game is the bowl game. So we can finally just kind of hone in on that and focus on that. So uh, that's that's what this episode's all about. So uh, let's uh, let's get it going, Cody. Well, let's get it, Matt. So um, let's start off with uh, talking a little bit more about that Georgia State game. Um, you know, just uh, you know, start a little slow, uh, but but really, you know, once once we kind of got rolling, um, you know, you had the the big pass play. They were stacking the box just like teams have done to us all year. Um, and then you you have that that big play to uh, Darion Anderson again, uh, puts you up uh, ten to nothing. And then you know they come down. We block the field goal right there before the half. Um, get a big return. We get a field goal of our own uh, from Tyler Bass, who has just been money all year. And uh, you know we'll talk a little bit about that too. But um, you know, you, you, you saw kind of the momentum uh, swing and shift there and then just really took it to him in the second half, uh, 15 points in the third quarter, um, added a touchdown in the fourth. They got two late scores uh, with the game out of reach. Uh, you know, like to see him shut them out there, but, you know, those were kind of garbage touchdowns at the end. So just really kind of complete dominance, uh, scoring over 30 points again, which is great to see. Um, and, uh, and yeah, just just, uh, just uh, overall a uh, great team win over uh, the rival Panthers. Yeah, fantastic team win. And kind of the mantra for the season, offense starts off slow, defense kind of keeps the opposing team from off the scoreboard. We get maybe 10, 13 points there, and then we seem to open it up in the second half, and that's what happened in this game. Um, it's just a fantastic team win all the way around. Um, every aspect of the of the offense, defense, special teams did a fantastic job in this game. We came out ready and prepared. Um, and, you know, the game re- never really seemed to be in doubt. I mean, that defense came out suffocating right from the get-go, and Georgia State couldn't do anything on offense. And I think everybody knew it was just a matter of time before offense got rolling, and those two big pass places or two big pass plays really kind of blew the game open for us and kind of, you know, you know, led it to the easy victory that, that, it, that it was. Yeah, 381 total yards uh, for Georgia Southern, um, 276 on the ground, um, you know, 105 uh, passing, and Shy Wirtz with with, uh, just another great day. Um, You know, he had 75 yards on the ground and a touchdown, added two touchdowns through the air, eight for 11 for 105 yards, um, and and zero interceptions, Cody. And and let's kind of talk about these turnovers here for a second. Uh, We've harped on it all year of – um, you know, limiting penalties and limiting turnovers and, you know, Eagles don't be Eagles, man, have they done a great job with that leading the nation, uh, in turnover margin, uh, plus, uh, 22 ahead of UCF and Kansas, um, you know, far ahead of them with, with plus 16. And then, uh, the, uh, you know, first in the nation and fewest turnovers with just five total turnovers, five, um, all fumbles, no interceptions. Uh, you know, LSU uh, held the record with uh, eight uh, last year, and, and ironically, Army and, and former head coach Jeff Munkin uh, up there in West Point, uh, they would have had uh, the new record this year with uh, seven, but they still have a game to play, of course, against Navy. Um, so, yeah, finishing the regular season, just, just five total turnovers, and that is just, uh, you know, a great testament to this coaching staff and, you know, how how far they've come and um, and, and turned this team around. Yeah, and not even the coaching staff, but the players to, to buy into what the coaches were selling them and um, for them to execute, I mean, to, to – even with as little as we pass the ball, to have a season in which no interceptions were thrown is really remarkable and, and just something that nobody would have predicted and nobody would have guessed would have happened in the beginning of the season. Um, just a phenomenal job by, by Shy and the offense to limit the turnovers, to uh, to, to limit the mistakes and, and, and not let the other team have easy field position and to not beat yourselves. I mean, 
it's just, that that turnover stat or those turnover stats are just just phenomenal and just it, it's just something that is hard to kind of get your mind around considering what we saw the last two seasons. Yeah, I mean, 110 uh, uh, passing attempts this season for the Eagles. So, uh, you know, 66 completions, um, which is, you know, uh, especially for a run-based option team is, you know, that's uh, that's really good percentages there. But um, to throw the ball 110 times, and, and like you said, not – and, you know, we, we chunked the ball up there. I mean, you know, on, on like that Darion Anderson play against State, you know, we, we saw it time and time again this season where, you know, usually those guys are wide open – kind of run under the ball but you never know if you know you got a safety back there with with closing speed you know can make a play on the ball it is it is amazing that um they they were able to uh finish the season with no interceptions and and with fumbles with only five fumbles being a being a you know run heavy option based team um you know you we, we've played in bad weather you know a, a couple times this year you know uh, including georgia state it was it was kind of not really uh, rainy, but wet conditions and um, and cold. And then you had App State was was a rainy game, um, you know. So to to be able to to run the ball the way we do and and pitch it and only have five turnovers is just remarkable. Yeah, it is. And you with this, I think the fumbles is really kind of what throws me off. Only five lost fumbles, um, and that just is is it's just a. I just can't. Again, I just can't wrap my head around how just how well we've predicted the ball all season. Um, as much as we have to read as far as the mesh point goes and how complicated that can get, and how easy it is to fumble or how easy it is for the running back not to grab the ball or the quarterback to let go of the ball when the running back doesn't have it. I mean, there's there's tons of opportunities for us to to fumble the ball away and for us not to do it. But I think it's. Uh, what was it? I think it's eight total fumbles, um, and only to lose five of them um, is just remarkable. Yeah, yeah, five five uh, uh, total loss and and um, and or yeah, eight eight total fumbles and only five losses. It's just just incredible. So, um, and and you know the other thing we talked about was penalties, and you know not. Uh, you know, the, that, that should be, um, said too, you know, we're, we're, uh, tied for 17th in the nation. Um, you know, certainly not as impressive as, as that number one ranking for turnovers, but, but still, uh, you know, we talked about discipline and, and how far this team has come. I mean, this was one of the least disciplined teams in the nation under Tyson Summers. Now we're tied for 17th in the nation with, uh, just 4.75 penalties per game. Um, ironically that ties with, uh, New Mexico, which is, uh, Bob DeBessa's uh, former school, obviously not, uh, you know, all the p- penalties come on offense, but, um, you know, that's, that's also just a, a testament, uh, to uh, this coaching staff and, and the team, uh, for, for, like you said, buying in and, and just being disciplined and especially not doing a lot of those, uh, you know, silly, uh, penalties after the whistle, which we saw a lot the last two years. Yeah. That seemed to be, you know, happened quite a bit under Tyson Summers and the last couple of seasons, um, which is really frustrating, which kind of, you know, it's, it always seemed to happen at like the, the, the worst times too, when we had like a third down stop or when we put somebody in a second and long situation, we would have something just absolutely dumb or stupid and it would just give, uh, the other team new life. And to see that pretty much almost eliminated is amazing. Um, again, it just shows how well one, the coaching staff, um, is able to communicate what they want to the players, um, and and their scheme and their game plan, and two how well the players have bought into it. And I mean they've they've completely bought in, and you could tell by the attitude of this team, by the way that they carry themselves, by the way that they speak of each other. Um, it's just amazing. It's just fantastic, and I can't wait to see what happens going forward. Um, not just in the bowl game, but in 2019 and 2020 and beyond. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I wanted to kind of bounce back to running the ball um, for uh, for a minute. And, uh, you know, we, we weren't sure at the beginning of the year, you know, we were, there, there was a lot of hype around uh, Bob DeBest, like I mentioned, coming over from New Mexico and how, you know, you know, these last uh, two years under summers, we've been all over the place with, uh, 
with offense, and even though they were calling an option, it wasn't really, and we, we just really had no identities, and, and we, we talked about that. Um, 260 yards uh, per game um, we're averaging now, uh, finishing the regular season. Um, that is, um, I believe, uh, tenth, yeah, tenth rushing offense in the nation. Um, you know, uh, and and you can only hope that you know you're going to see that uh, you know increase uh, the the next couple of years. So you got Shy Wirtz who uh, finish or he he has uh, over 1,500 yards um, career rushing yards already, just a sophomore. Um, he's only 827 yards shy of passing Kevin Ellison uh, for third on the Sun Belt all-time QB rushing list and uh so you know he's probably gonna do that and 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 and, you know maybe close there on on number one so um just just talk about this uh this rushing attack Cody and and how far uh you know it has come um you know uh, Georgia Southern 34 and 11 uh since joining the FBS in 2014 um when they're uh out rushing opponents yeah I mean Bob DeBest did his thing I mean we we talked about how well um, he has been of, uh, as an offense coordinator in New Mexico and Sam Houston State and previous places where he's he's coached at, and we kind of, you know, in the beginning of the season and the previews that we had, you know, we were excited that that he was here and that he was our coordinator and we had hope and that we thought you know this is this is the guy if anybody's going to turn this thing around, um, and boy did he. I mean, just just a phenomenal a job that he's done, um, and you know, as you said, we average in two hundred and sixty yards um, a game rushing. We average five point three five yards per rush. We had uh, thirty three rushing touchdowns. I mean, just the the run game itself was just a breath of fresh air. It's like finally we have some you know competency. Um, on the offensive side of the ball that we have not had the last couple of seasons. So it's great to see. Um, and just just overall, just just a well-done well, well done job by him and his staff. Um, and hopefully going forward as we kind of solidify that offensive line and then kind of get all the components and players that he wants um, for his system, um, hopefully everything that'll – this is just kind of like the, the base level that we'll see this increase year after year. Yeah, and we'll get in uh, a, a little bit of that uh, later on in this episode, too, uh, with recruiting. Uh, obviously, the early uh, recruiting period coming up. Um, so we will, uh, you know, Cody will kind of talk about where, where we stand with that. And obviously, you know, uh, as you said, the offensive line is something that we're focusing on. Also, uh, wide receiver depth. So we'll get a little into that um, a little later. Uh, but, you know, let's let's talk about the defense, Cody, of, of just kind of overall, you know, how they've performed all year, which which has been lights out. Um, you know, you, you saw it again against Georgia State, a team that, you know, has, has put up a lot of numbers. Um, you know, they've got a pretty good quarterback. Um, you know, with with a bright future there, and um, you know, got got some weapons. Obviously, Penny Hart. I mean, he had a very quiet day. Um, you know, he certainly hasn't had the season that um, you expected from him. Uh, you know, for a lot of people expected from him this year, but um, you know, the defense just totally shut them down. You know, it, it's a team that uh, their their defense is really poor, but their offense, you know, can put up a lot of points. And, and we shut them down for three quarters, and like I said, just those uh, two uh, late late touchdowns there that when the, when you know the game was far out of reach yeah i mean outside of really three football games is nobody's really been able to kind of score on this defense um and it, it like you said it's just been lights out and really just shut everybody down that we've played um they did a great job at, at containing their quarterback um the previous week he had ran for over 100 yards against app state i don't think he even i don't know if he even got 50 yards rushing against us in this game um they shut down Penny Hart which we all know how well he you know he can play um and it was just a great job they couldn't do anything on the offensive side of the ball and you know one of the the other key things too about that is that Georgia State actually had a rushing attack this season I think this year was the first time they've rushed for over 2,000 yards in a season and we shut them down. Um, they didn't really. They weren't able to even really run the ball. So again, we 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 shut down state on all aspects of 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 the off of the offensive side of the ball, and our defense just played phenomenal. And you could you could tell pretty early in that game that they weren't going to score any points, um, and that as if 
we could just get our offense going that we would we would beat them pretty easily. Yeah, and then finally, uh, you know, I want to talk about Tyler Bass. Um, he, you know, Lou Groza Award uh, semifinalist uh, now, and you know, he's he's just been lights out. He proved it again against Georgia State. Uh, he's sixteen for eighteen on uh, field goals this year. Um, he's been uh, just excellent on kickoffs. Um, you know, even. Even uh, in against state when he uh, the, the team was backed up after just a, a terrible um, unsportsmanlike conduct penalty call uh, where we you know high fived a, a fan sitting there in the stands which is just just crazy um, you know that that backed us up and, and he still almost kicked the ball in the end zone so uh, just just been just been lights out um, you know money all year and just just talk about what what a weapon uh, Tyler Bass is for this team. Yeah, again, this is another thing we talked at the beginning of the season that we knew coming in that he was going to be a weapon for us. Um, as you said, nearly perfect on field goals. He is perfect on extra points. Um, he he's a he's a peace of mind that you have that once when you pretty much get inside the forty yard line that you're going to at least get three points, um, which is which is a good thing, right? Because then you know you don't have to really feel like you have to get it you know too too you know close in order to score. So. He's just a he, a fantastic weapon when it comes to to getting guaranteed points on an offensive drive, um, and then as you mentioned earlier, he's a, a weapon that doesn't really get talked about much or doesn't really get a lot of you know press or, or really you know people highlight him much. But his ability to just boom the football out of the end zone on kickoffs, you know that means that opponents are on their twenty five and they have to go seventy five yards down the field in order to score. Um, and they don't the the opponent special teams do not have the chance to get that big play to get that momentum swing um, of a kickoff return touchdown or a big return that you know they get to start their drive in in our um, side of the football field. So uh, again, he's a fantastic weapon, and as you tell in the state game, he has an arm to him to where if we need a two point conversion, I was about to say yeah that that, that can, rocket can, arm on him yeah yeah he he can he can sling it in there. Um, Aaron Rodgers style and, and we'll get two points. So he, again, it's a fantastic weapon to have. Hopefully we'll have him around next season as well. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's just a peace of mind. And, and most of our fans know this, you know, going back through the monkey years, what could have been if we'd have had field goal kicking. Yeah. Um, so to finally have that and not to worry about that is just great. And to have it consistently, I mean, uh, with with Young Way Koo and then uh, now Bass, I mean, uh, like you said, yeah, when when we when we were in school, uh, that was never consistent. You know, that was always, um, you know, a, a low point of the team, and uh, you almost felt like, you know, obviously those those option teams are, uh, you know, uh, Munkin and everyone under the Paul Johnson tree likes to go for it on fourth down and you know push the envelope there, but. We almost had to because, uh, you know, if, if uh, you know, a 30-yard field goal wasn't guaranteed, now it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe even a 40-yard field goal is guaranteed. So, I mean, uh, against State is, is a great example of that, of, you know, when they come down and we block the kick, uh, you know, we get the, the return. Then you had the uh, targeting call that ended up not being a targeting call, but we still got backed up 15 yards. And everybody's looking at each other saying, oh, we're still good. You know, we, 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 we yeah. still need, you know, a, a few runs up the middle just to give them a little bit of padding. And then, you know, we can go up, uh, you know, uh, another three, 13 points a half. Yeah. I mean, it, you mentioned a 40-yard field goal being almost a guarantee. It, it really is. I think between the 40 and 49 yards, he's perfect. His only two misses this year, I think, is a 57-yarder. Um, that he missed in the ULM game, and then also that you know, it's like that twenty-six yard or thirty-yard field goal that that went off the upright in that ULM game, um, which again are just uncharacteristic of him. So it's not like it was a trend or anything. Um, but outside of that, he's been perfect. So, uh, and many times when he's hit those forty yarders, it seemed like that there's been almost enough distance to where if he was 20 yards back, he would have hit it from there. So I mean, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's not like he's just barely making these 40 yard field goals. I mean, it's like he has 10 to 15 yards to spare at least easily. Yeah. He's, he's seven for seven, uh, between 40 and 49. Uh, like you said, one, one for two, uh, 50 plus, and then, uh, four for five, 20, uh, to 29. Um, but but yeah, just just uh, can't can't say enough about Tyler Bass and, and what a weapon he is uh, for this team. Um, 
so now moving on, uh, you know, you know, let, let's talk a little bit about the environment there uh, in, in Georgia State before we get into, uh, you know, the, the bowl games and where where we might end up. Um, as I said, you know, you, you were in Orlando watching on ESPN Plus. I was up there for the game. It was a little cold, uh, you know, certainly uh, colder than, than what I'm used to. Um, you know, the, the, the weather held up. Um, you know, it, it wasn't raining during the game, which was nice. Uh, and just the environment there. I mean, first off, that that stadium is, uh, I mean, I have great memories in that stadium. You know, the fir- uh, former Turner Field, uh, great uh, memories in, in the Blue Lot, tailgating there for Braves games. Um, it was, it, that part was awesome. Again, to, to walk through um, just all the tailgates, the Gattaro guys were out there um, off of uh, Hank, Hank Aaron uh, Boulevard. And, um, you know, it was just wall to wall Eagle fans from, you know, as far as I could see. And that was that was so cool. I was there with my dad, my brother um, and my oldest nephew. Uh, you know, I'm trying to convince he's a senior in high school and trying to convince him to go to Georgia Southern. And, you know, he was kind of awestruck at, at, you know, he kept asking me, you know, are, are you sure this is an away game? And because we completely took over every aspect, you know, of, of the stadium, of the tailgate experience. Um, and, you know, uh, doing the tomahawk chop there and seeing take me out to the ball game, kind of trolling them. Um, we'll get into that in a minute, but, um, just, just overall, just a great experience. Cody, what, what did you kind of see, you know, watching, watching on TV, you know, kind of reverse roles here, um, of, of what the, the game day experience was like? Well, obviously with it being the Georgia state telecast on ESPN plus, um, they really didn't show any of that. <laughs> Um, so I was able to watch the replay with the radio call and you can definitely hear it, um, from the, from Danny Reed and, and, and the radio broadcast there, obviously, but on TV, um, they, they didn't, they didn't mention it or really, um, talk about it too much or really kind of really show the stands all that well. Um, they seem to want to mention a lot about the soccer, uh, matchup that, uh, conference championship that, that state took, um, but, uh, no, they didn't really want to show the fans or, or the tomahawk chop or the um, take me out to the ball game or anything like that. So um, I'm sad that we didn't get to see that on TV, um, but I'm glad that uh, everybody was loud and that it was uh, a, a very pro Southern crowd at that stadium. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I'm, I'm glad you brought up about the soccer because that that was one of the aspects that that happened. Right, so is. They, they kept showing on that Jumbotron uh, all the times they beat us, not just in football, but uh, in all sports. So they, you know, they, they bragged about the um, Sunbelt uh, Conference uh, Championship win in, so- in men's soccer. Uh, they, you know, showed highlights from last year when they beat us in a close um, game in football in, in, in Paulson. And then, uh, you know, also the, the two times they beat us in men's basketball last year. So the, pretty much any kind of intermission TV timeout, um, they would be on there bragging about it. So, you know, it was only fitting that, that we trolled back. And uh, obviously our, our fan base isn't, isn't shy to do that. So, I, I, you know, I saw a lot of, like, chatter. I'm sure you did too, Cody, um, online of, like, you know, well, why, you know, why were we doing the tomahawk chop? And, you know, that, that, that has nothing to do with Georgia Southern or – um, or sing and take me out of the ball game. Well, obviously it was to troll them and you know, it's, it's all in good fun. Uh, it wasn't hurting anybody. Obviously, you know, you can take things to, you know, you, you can cross the line sometimes and, and we have sometimes and certainly other fan bases have, but, uh, you know, with obscenities or getting on social media and, and calling out certain players or, coaches or, or certainly like their families we've even seen that internally uh you know with with summers with with people attacking like his wife and kids which obviously is just totally uncalled for and you know that's that's you know miles past that line but um you know seeing and take me out to the ball game between the third and fourth quarter doing the tomahawk chop that's that's just all in good fun and, and that's just that's just good trolling in my opinion and yeah you know, it, it, it is and, and and also too it, it highlights kind of the the fakeness of their football program right like they don't have their own stadium um they never they have, have no identity they, they have, have no, no identity I, yeah they have no identity as to they have really no traditions um 
you know, they just think just because they're in Atlanta that they can just, oh, well, we have a football program. People will come here because of Atlanta. It, that's not how it works. It remind it, it kind of reminds me of like, and 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 we're starting one in, here in Orlando and in, in uh, Camping World Stadium, which is where the Cure Bowl will be, and we'll talk about that in a second. But um, we're starting a, a minor league, or not even minor league, a, a professional football league, the Alliance. Uh, I don't know even what it's called <laughs> the Alliance of football or something like that. And, um, but you know, it, it seems like any time one of these like pro leagues, that's not the NFL or semi pro leagues start up same kind of thing. Like, you know, you, you, it, they don't get the following because they, they have no history. And I get that that's, you know, a catch 22, <laughs> but, but it, it's just the fact, like it's, it's, it's hard to get, to have a new team catch on. Like not everyone's going to be Atlanta United and, and get that kind of fan support, um, you know, immediately. And, you know, obviously that's a different sport and we're talking about college with Georgia state, but you know, it's, it's, it's unfortunate kind of for them that, you know, they, they have so many students and no one shows up to those games. No one cares. Yeah. I mean, they have, they have so many students, they have so many alumni that live within the Atlanta area. Um, they have, you know, really kind of when it comes to football, all the talent's right there in their backyard. I mean, they really don't have to go far at all to kind of get football talent to, to have decent teams. Um, and they just don't do it, and and they don't. It's like they don't put in the effort. Well, they've had success, and that's the thing. They've had success. I mean, let's let's not take that away from. Them. I mean, they won a bowl last year. You won the Cure Bowl. Their um, highest you know, win they, total for is like what seven wins in a season. Yeah, I mean, I don't is, really call that is, a success. I mean, they had one you, decent year. It's not like they've they've, they've been to one more bowl than we have. And, and, well, not not now. <laughs> well, not now, not now. That's true. That's true. That's true. So, I mean, as of this year, uh, we've reached the same amount of bowls, but, um, you know, that right now that we're, we're tied with bowl wins. So, you know, let's not take that away from them. So, I mean, have they put on a consistent quality product? No, but I mean, we, we talked about it. I mean, they, they've got, you know, some talent on that team. They've got good players and that, you know, I, I think they need a little bit more consistent coaching, but, you know, obviously the the crowd and all that, it factors into it. You've seen that. We've talked about it, about the juice and create your own juice and all that. You know, it, it seems that Georgia Southern doesn't play well, you know, on the road, you know, against, uh, you know, small crowds. And we didn't have that, obviously, on Saturday. I mean, we, we had, uh, you know, a, a big crowd, a, a really a comparable crowd to what we have in Paul, uh, in, in Paulson. So, um, and, and you felt it and you, and the, the players felt it, you could tell, um, you know, they, they fed, uh, off of the energy. They fed off the tomahawk chop. They fed off, um, you know, the, uh, Georgia state trying to, to troll us by showing those highlights and all the times they beat us. Um, you, you could see that spark the player. So, um, I, I think that's one of the biggest things missing, uh, from from Georgia State is like you said they they don't have identity and and when you don't have that fan support it's it's really hard to get up for games. Yeah, they I mean they've never I I don't know of them even trying to even get fan support or really trying to get a draw to the crowd or a a draw to their football stadium or anything really around their football program. Um, so I you know I I don't feel sorry for them, and I hope it stays that way. Um, because as long as it does, it means it will just be a a team that we can beat up on, and, and hopefully an easy conference victory um, year in year out. All right, Cody. So now let's get into bowl games. Uh, as you heard in the um, the disclaimer, uh, you know, at the beginning of the show, you know, we're re-recording this segment. Um, because uh, everything has changed now. Uh, you know, a lot of announcements this week uh, with the Sun Belt and, and it's, uh, it's uh, the Bulls that it's affiliated with. Um, we pretty much have a, a clear picture now of where everyone is headed outside of um, App State and Louisiana Lafayette, but we know, you know, uh, uh, two games, you know, uh, with, with Cure and uh, the New Orleans Bowl that, that those teams will be headed to one of those. So with Georgia Southern, it seems to be, uh, you know, all but a hundred percent that we're headed to Montgomery to the Camellia bowl um, that, uh, you know, was reported um, on uh, Tuesday night uh, by um, 
Big Frank and, and also Josh Aubrey, uh, you know, some trustable sources there. Uh, so, Cody, let's just start there, um, you know, with, with the announcement. You know, we uh, before we, we discussed all the scenarios and we were thinking maybe we were going to have to wait till uh, till Sunday, December 2nd to find out where we'll be going bowling. But now that we know that it is Montgomery, what are your thoughts? Uh, well, first of all, I'm kind of surprised that the, the um, bowl picture, at least for the Sun Belt, was released as early as it was. Um, in regards, because we know that nobody's going to be playing on New Year's Six. We know that we have five bowl slots. Um, so it's, it's not, I'm not too surprised that it was released early. I, the only thing I am surprised is that it was released Tuesday night or pretty much Tuesday. Um, but regardless, it's exciting. We're in a bowl game. Who would have thought that after the 2-10 and ten season last year? Um, and, you know, I'm just excited. I can't wait to see who will play. Um, in this bowl game, uh, it should, it, you know, it, it should be a fun time um, for all parties involved, and hopefully we get the W. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll get into that um, in just a second, you know, just to, to recap where everybody's going. So, you know, we already knew that, um, you know, a, a few weeks ago they announced that the New Orleans Bowl um, would host the uh, winner of the Sunbelt Conference Championship game. So we knew that we weren't headed to New Orleans, <clears throat> so that will either be App State or Louisiana Lafayette um, on Tuesday before all these other announcements, kind of the, the first thing that, that um, you know, started this snowball effect was the, the Cure Bowl announced um, that <clears throat> it would host the, uh, the loser of the Sunbelt Conference Championship game. So that was, that was a little surprising, Cody, where, you know, we talked in our, uh, our previous segment that we had recorded of how uh, they, they had fourth pick, um, kind of in the pecking order and uh, you know so <clears throat> we were kind of likely to to be headed to one of the Alabama Bowls anyway there was a lot of people that wanted to go to Orlando um, and you know we we kind of discussed scenarios of, of how that might happen maybe if App State loses the championship game then you know they maybe get picked over us for one of the Alabama Bowls that bumps us down to Orlando but now we know that's that's out of the cards I know there's there's probably a lot of uh Eagle Nation out there that that is uh, upset by that. Um, so so just you know, let's let's talk about that just for a second. Well, I don't think we should really be upset about not getting you know our preference um, when it comes to bowl a bowl game. Um, like I said, we should just be happy that we're here. Um, in regards to the the pecking order, how things kind of shaped out on Tuesday, it was quite interesting. Yeah, I was like you, I was kind of surprised that the Cure Bowl um, got the runner up or or the team that would lose the conference championship game. Um, but it does kind of help, uh, to me, increase the um, that that bowl's presence and and, and then kind of the, the scheme of things and, and the bowl picture. Now you know they're yeah, are they probably still the fourth pick in the in the pecking order? But they had the runner up um, pretty much of, of the conference. So well, I think that basically that, I think that moves them to, to number two now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I know I know the West obviously was much weaker than the East, and and you know it it seems like App State will probably win you know the the championship. So maybe Louisiana was in the Cure Bowl anyway if they stayed you know fourth, but you know maybe the Raging Cajuns get the upset and then App State is in Orlando, and all of a sudden I mean that's that is a really good App State team. So that's that's a huge um, huge get for that bowl game. Yeah, and it's a and and whoever gets that game is going to play against an American Conference team as yeah. well. Um, so it's it's a it's a big time um, game um, for our conference, anyways, just because it's going up against that that conference that wants to consider themselves the the a power six uh, in their own words, um, even though most people would agree that it's not. Um, so it's 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 a it's a, it's a great matchup for whoever um, gets into that bowl from the Sun Belt's perspective, um, but. You know, it is kind of surprising given the fact that Louisiana can't actually win this game. You know, they only lost to App State by 10 yep. when they played them earlier this year. So it's not a, to me, it's not a foregone conclusion that this is a, a win for App. Um, now, if they do lose this game um, and App is in the Cure Bowl, you know, I think, I, I actually think that was going to be the likelihood, anyways. I think Troy was a given for the Mobile Bowl, regardless of who won or who lost. Mm -hmm. um, and then it becomes the the Camellia Bowl for that third pick. And honestly, I don't think App State would have gone, gone back to that. They've been there quite a few times already. Yeah. Um, and I think that they probably wanted to go to the Cure Bowl. They probably didn't want to play another MAC team. They have, I think they've beaten all the MAC teams that they've played so far in bowl games. Um, so for them, I think from an App 
perspective, the Cure Bowl may actually be a better bowl for them to go to if they were to have lose the conference championship game because they sure. do get to play an American conference team and maybe get them a little bit more name recognition, maybe a little bit more of a, of a national presence because if they beat an American and they beat uh, an American conference team, they beat the American conference team badly, then that really kind of puts them out there as okay, are they really on par with an upper echelon American conference team? You know, i.e. UCF, you know, Houston, Memphis, that kind of really helps their brand. Sure. The, well, and 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 you know, to be clear, to be clear, they're not going to be playing. I mean, they they maybe could play like South Florida, um, or you know, what one of the um, you know, lo- lower. Uh, I don't want to say lower tier, but they're they're not obviously going to be playing UCF or or. No, or, no, 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 no. Yeah. But if they beat if they beat a, like a Tulane mm-hmm. by like thirty or forty points in that game, then you can say, hey, you know. You know that's just as bad as what one of those upper echelon teams did beat. Sure. You know Tulane. Right. Or, or uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So so now they're on the same. Well, should we compare them? How you know this? You know it's a small you know data sample to really look at, but you know versus a common opponent, wow, they kind of really kind of seem to be the same there. Yeah, and that's a good point. But you know, like we discussed in in the the segment that we're replacing, um, you know, unfortunately, no one's going to watch that game. Uh, you know, yeah. it's it's, it's yeah. on CBS Sports Network. So I mean, you know, maybe this is you know, the first step to get that bowl game a little bit more notoriety. I mean, as as far as we know, it's staying on CBS Sports Network. Maybe there are plans for the future to move it to uh, CBS. Um, You know, and if that's the case, that would be a huge, uh, you know, game and then, you know, huge exposure for um, who, you know, whoever's in in the conference. Um, But, you know, as as of right now, it's still on CBS Sports Network. That's a channel – uh, you know, a lot of people don't get it's a channel. A lot of people may have and don't realize it, you know, or, and, and don't know how to find. So, I mean, it's, it's certainly not going to be one of those that's just on, you know, on every TV and, and, and sports bars and people are just kind of flipping through and, 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 uh, and find it like, like they do with, with the, all the ESPNs, um, you know, so, you know, and, and that's something that we discussed is that, um, you know, when when it looked like Georgia Southern may go to the Cure Bowl, that do we really want that? You know, it's it's close to Statesboro, obviously, um, not not you know uh, you know a, a decent uh, you know five hour drive there, um, a lot to do a lot to do in in Orlando, so uh, you know, um, arguably uh, the best you know location wise um, that that we could have gotten. Uh, you know, the, since uh, New Orleans was out of the cards already. Um, but, but yeah, as, as far as game and national exposure, they doesn't have that at this point. No, not as far as TV goes. No, it doesn't. Um, and that's, that's really the downside. Otherwise, if it is on ESPN um, and has a, has a more national reach, then I would say probably that's the board that we need to shoot for every year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now let's, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about us in the Camellia Bowl. So, uh, you know, we, it, uh, you know, if if um, it was kind of in between that and Mobile, and you you kind of touched on it, um, you know, I, I think it was it was pretty clear that we were headed to Montgomery once the cards started to lay out the way they were, um, because I don't think they would have taken um, Troy, right? Troy is 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 far too close to uh, Montgomery; uh, they're less than an hour away. Um, you know, with these bowls, it's, it's all about revenue, you know, and that's not just butts in the seats. Um, it's also hotel stays, uh, spending money, you know, in the local economy at restaurants, nightlife, all this kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, with the close proximity of, of Troy to Montgomery, that just doesn't, you know, have that. Uh, you know, you, you might get a lot of fans of the game, but they'll just make a day trip. Uh, they won't spend a lot of money, you know, in, in town. Um, so obviously with, with Georgia Southern still close proximity. So, you know, it, it, it seems that, you know, it will price in a lot of fans there. I know we, I mean, we travel well, um, pretty much any of the, the games outside of the Arizona bowl. Um, I think it was a, a sure thing that we were going to send uh, a big crowd, um, but, you know, only two hours, uh, you know, around two hours from Atlanta, um, not a bad drive from South Georgia. Um so I mean it's it's just kind of a good overall fit. Uh, you know, we've always, obviously already been uh to Mobile. I know a lot of Eagle fans uh wanted that. Um, you know, uh, again, you know, the Dollar General Bowl. Um, but you know, I, like like you said, <laughs> we we were we were two and ten last year. We need to be happy with with whatever we get. And honestly, I, I think this is a really 
a good, you know, a good fit for us. I really do. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, it's it's a it's a good bowl to be in, um, considering that the opponent that we may play may be the the loser from the the match championship. Um, it's not a guarantee, but that's kind of what it's going to look like. Um, so I think, you know, overall this bowl where it's located at is perfect for us. Um, it's easy for Atlanta fan base to get over to it. It's, it's you know, easy for the Statesboro and South Georgia fan base to get over to it. Um, you know, it kind of really fits, uh, kind of really, to me, it's almost like a, a really great location for us to really go um, and, and, and really kind of and, and show out in force and really kind of bring a big crowd to the game. Um, and then also, too, you know, um, like I said, I can't emphasize this enough, just even being a bowl game is, is fantastic at this point. And, and really um, to really be kind of in this bowl game and not, you know, the the Arizona bowl to me is even a bigger thing. Cause a lot of us thought that if we were to, to become bowl eligible, we'd be a six or seven win team. And we would probably be on the, on the last team to get picked to, to go to a bowl game. So it's, it's really good to kind of have some place close and to, and to really bring a big crowd to it. Yeah. Well, you see that with ULM, uh, you know, they, they yeah. finished finish 500 and, and they're, they're, most likely being left out. Uh, you know, we, uh, any, anything can happen. Uh, you know, I know there's more bowl eligible teams uh, nationally than there are uh, bowl games. Um, so, you know, the, the likelihood of, uh, you know, a, a, a six and six ULM team getting uh, in a bowl outside of the conference affiliations uh, probably isn't likely. Um, so, yeah, we, we, we definitely need to uh, be thankful and count our blessings that not just that we had the, the season that we had, but, um, that that we're in a bowl game because because like you said we could easily be um, there with ULM and even though we are eligible um, be sitting at home uh, you know through bowl season so um, so yeah de- definitely definitely good and 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 you know frankly it's good that we're not uh, ending in in Arizona too uh, you know with you know I know that was something that uh, some fans were nervous about that uh, that like you said. Um, you know, I think once we, once we got to nine wins, once we won our last two, um, that, that started not to really be a concern. Uh, but like if we, if we had lost those last two, losing our last four, um, sitting there at seven to five, you know, maybe we're Arkansas state and we're, we're going out there to, to Arizona, which, you know, is, is a pretty early, uh, kickoff time. It is on ESPN. Um, you know, it's, it's the newest bowl, um, you know, affiliation, but, uh, that obviously would be, uh, not ideal to, to Eagle Nation to be able to travel to. Yeah, not ideal at all. Um, but it still would have been, it still would have been a good bowl to go to um, yeah. and get a Mountain West opponent. Um, but as far as travel and our fan base getting out there to it, no, that would not be ideal at all. So talking about opponents, you touched on, uh, and again, this, this is all, uh, kind of rumors at this point, um, you know, who knows by the time we, we actually get this episode up, it might be decided um, that, that, that it's that we for sure are going to play the loser of the uh, MAC championship game. So we'll, we'll, so we'll know Friday, uh, you know, who that opponent is, if it holds up that we play the loser. So between Northern Illinois um, and Buffalo, and Cody, we were talking uh, briefly, you know, before uh, this, that um, you know, it's it's interesting of of, of uh, you know, with with the line of this game, it's 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 pretty close. Where you've got a, a ten win Buffalo team, um, you've got uh, you know a, a Northern Illinois team that's just seven and five, but uh, the line on this game is is a lot closer than probably. Uh, you know, some people might might have expected. Yeah, it is. I think it's only like three and a half, four and a half points is the line favoring um, Buffalo. It's quite interesting to, you know, with, you know, with Buffalo having a, a three, three more wins and for their offense to be explosive, it is for the, for the line to be as close as it is really quite surprising. And to kind of get more into it, you know, it's really more of a testament to Northern Illinois defense than it, than it is anything else. Um, yeah. Their defense seems to be pretty stout, um, not just at holding – opponents to, to not scoring points, but specifically and, and more importantly to us, they shut down the run. Um, they only, I think, are averaging 107 point, or 107 yards a game rushing um, yards that they're allowing a game. So their defense is pretty tough, and it would be a, it would be a very tough matchup for us if that's who we get in the uh, bowl game. Yeah, and, 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 you know, I think that's, you know, important to point out is, you know, you've got – 
you know, if, if you're looking at like, okay, well, what, what would kind of be uh, not a sure win, but, you know, uh, you know, um, uh, opponent that we've got a good chance against, you're probably looking at Northern Illinois, just, just on paper, just based on the record and everything, you know, all this, but like you said, that, that defensive style, they shut down the run. Um, you got Buffalo who puts up a ton of points or like a big 12 team, uh, you know, being everybody uh, 51 to, to 28 and, and things like this. Um, but they, they don't have a lot of defense and the teams that they've lost to, they've lost to army. Um, you know, they, they, they seem to kind of struggle with those, uh, run based, uh, teams, you know, Ohio who runs the ball really well. They're actually ahead of us, um, you know, in the nation of rushing. Um, so the, those run heavy teams, Buffalo struggles with, they can put up a ton of points, but I, I trust our defense. So I, I, I think if, if, if I had my preference, it would actually be Buffalo, um, you know, so for them to, to lose the championship game, Northern Illinois to shut them down and then Buffalo to head to Montgomery, um, you know, as, as a 10 win team. And then, then, you know, obviously if we beat them, we, we get our 10th win. So I think that's still, you know, a, a high profile matchup. Um, but I, I think that kind of gives us our, our, our best chance at, at a bull win. Yeah. I think when it comes to which of the two teams, our offense matches up better against it's definitely Buffalo. I think our offense would kind of get going and, and, and score some points. And as you mentioned, Buffalo had a really tough time really kind of stopping the run heavy teams. They, they got blown out by army. They got blown out by Ohio. Both teams run the ball really, really well. Um, the way that they seem to kind of win is to kind of jump out on, on top of opponents and really kind of force them to, to have to, you know, air the ball out to get back in it. And their defense is pretty good at shutting down the pass. So, um, you know, if we can get our offense going quickly and get out on top of them um, and, and get off to a, to a, a good lead, then that kind of bodes in our favor that we'll, we should probably win the ball pretty handily. Um, now, looking at Northern Illinois and seeing how that matchup is, that's a very tough matchup for our offense um, and would really cause a lot of problems. Um, yeah. The flip side of that is that Northern Illinois has a very terrible offense. They're only averaging 19.8, 19.9 points a game. So below 20 points a game is what they're averaging. Um, so I would say that our defense would certainly shut them down um, and, and hold them to, to little to no points. It's just would our offense even be able to score or be able to really run the ball when this Northern Illinois team seems to, to really shut people down. They've only had one opponent rush for over 200 yards against them, and that was Iowa that the very first game of the season outside of that everybody else they pretty much kind of held um under 150 yards rushing a game except for maybe outside of one or two opponents yeah i mean even like ohio that we mentioned that uh you know was ahead of us in rushing uh, they held them to, to 21 points <laughs> and um yeah so i mean that's that's definitely probably the, the the tougher matchup even though they've only got seven wins right now but um, you know, and also from like a, a national exposure standpoint, you know, the Camellia Bowl is on ESPN. It's at a pretty good time slot at 530, um, you know, on, on December 15th, you know, the first weekend of, of bowl games. Um, you know, if, if you if you're looking at it from that perspective and, and to get people interested in the program and and national notoriety and, and even recruiting, um, you know, having kind of a, a high High scoring game uh, is definitely kind of more sexy than that kind of grinded out game that you might have if we play Northern Illinois, um, where, you know, it's it's a field goal game or, you know, we're, we're hoping for a pick six to win it or something like that. I personally love those games. Uh, you know, and I think people that that truly love fo football love, uh, you know, those those defensive battles. But um, a lot of people don't. <laughs> you know, the, the, the Big 12 is popular for a reason. Um, so I think to play Buffalo and maybe have a shootout and have, you know, some, some breakaway runs and stuff like that would not only be exciting, obviously for Eagle nation, but um, also draw probably a bigger national audience. Yeah, it probably would. And also too, let's, let's keep this in mind. The last time that we played a very high powered Mac offense that was supposed to just, you know, be able to throw the ball and score tons of points. We had a, a pretty good game against that, uh, yeah. that team in, in the go in the uh, yeah, go daddy bowl. Um, and, and really shut them down, especially in that second half. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, again, our offense took over and really pulled the game away. So, you know, I think going back kind of history of things, I think, yeah, I think that the Buffalo matchup would be a lot better. Um, would they be tough to handle, you know, from our defense? Yeah, of course. They have decent wide receivers that have a lot of speed to them. Um, they've been able to get behind 
um, match defenses and really put up a lot of points. And, you know, that quarterback for Buffalo has a big arm. He can throw the ball a long ways. Um, and it's pretty mobile. So he can he can move around the pocket. He can get out and buy him some time to let his receivers get open it and move the ball downfield. So um, it's not to say that it would be easy um, by no means because it won't. But um, I, I think I, I'm, I'm kind of with you that I think the better matchup for our team as a whole is against Buffalo. Um, the Northern Illinois game just kind of scares me because it's just one of those uh, – to me, it's just a team that I think – would be able to shut us down offensively, and if we're not scoring points, then then that just makes it that much more difficult for us to win. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we'll we'll pick this up next week uh, once everything is is official and we know who our opponent will be um, in the Camellia Bowl, um, and and you know start start breaking down uh, you know that 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 opponent even more and, and that matchup, and also maybe you know talk a little bit about the bowl itself and uh, you know just. Um, you know, what there is to do in Montgomery. I know that was a concern for some people, um, you know, they, they wanted to come to Orlando or come to, to Mobile instead. But uh, like we said, I, I'm, I'm happy with this bowl. I think uh, Eagle Nation should be happy with this bowl. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll definitely have a lot more, uh, you know, to come, uh, you know, here on this podcast, uh, you know, kind of uh, get everybody ready for the game. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, um, yeah, once we, once we know for sure who we're playing, um, expect us to have breakdowns of, of the opposing team, um, how we think they'll match up against us, and um, really kind of what we think will happen in that, in that bowl game. So, um, so with that, like I said, we, we can talk on and on about bowls, but we'll, we'll get more into the actual bowl matchup next week and, and, and what that means and all the aspects of that. But let's move uh, quickly to recruiting. And, uh, you know, Cody, I'll let you take this one. Um, I've, I've followed it a little bit, you know, more than I do. Um, you know, like I said earlier um, in this episode, you know, we've been focusing on offensive line, um, also wide receiver depth um, there with uh, with DeBessa's offense. So um, with, with this early recruiting period, um, tell us kind of how we're shaping up. Yeah, and, you know, this is – I'm mainly pulling a lot of this from 24-7 sports um, and what Justin Judy and what he does there, so – fantastic job that he does for this um so far it seems like we have 12 hard commits um with six of that being offensive linemen um which i think really kind of tells you a a lot of where their focus is at um as far as what they want to build depth on and kind of where they think they need to um shore up some things with this team moving forward um i think we've all kind of seen at times maybe the offensive line um, has struggled a bit, um, and that we would hope to see better play. Um, granted, it is a new um, coaching staff and a new um, scheme to learn again, but still, you know, um, at times they have not performed the way that I think some of our fans would hope that they would um, on a consistent basis. So to see that we've had six offensive linemen commit to us so far is pretty telling. Um the highest recruit that we have so far is a quarterback, dual quarterback, um, out of Jefferson County. Um, he seems to be a, a pretty pretty stud quarterback, six three two oh five. Um, again, uh, you know that's that's pretty good. That's huge. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's it's huge, huge for us. Yeah, um, but again, it, it, you know, when you're looking at next year in 2019 and 2020, you have we'll have shy obviously, but we lose LeBaron and we lose Cato. Who's really there to be that backup quarterback? Um, you have uh, Justin Tomlin um, that we recruited last year, um, but he's been redshirted pretty much and, 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 and kind of just learning the system and learning the offense. Um, you have Frazier, who was, I think, a quarterback out of Liberty County that we recruited two years ago um, that, you know, I don't know where kind of really he stands on the depth chart at this moment. So, again, you see that, all right, we're going to recruit another quarterback. This guy seems to be like a stud quarterback that may possibly take over for Shy um, when he graduates. Um, you mentioned wide receiver. We do have one wide receiver commit, and we do also have one running back commit. Um, so uh, besides that, you have a couple of defensive backs that seem to be committed. Um, so uh, right now, kind of 
moving forward, I would probably see that um, we probably need or want a couple of more defensive linemen or, or a couple of more recruits on the defensive side of the ball. Um, just simply just kind of give us depth on that aspect of it because um, I think we're losing um, we're losing Hunt, um, and I think we're losing a linebacker or two as well um, after this season. So um, I would look forward to see hopefully some more commits come on on the defensive side of the ball. Um, but who knows? Um, recruiting is is a is a funny thing to watch, and it will definitely be entertaining um, to say the least. Uh, starting with this early recruitment, and then also the February signing day. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? Is with uh, you know this is the second year, obviously, that they're doing the the um, the early signing, and you, we didn't see too much of that last year. Obviously, you had the transition with coaches. Uh, you know, you had Lunsford. Um, with you know a lot of work to do in a short amount of time um, and you saw him kind of uh, you know take take a step back and not not really make a big splash with that early signing um, and then all of a sudden you know go hard uh, with uh, you know the, the, the spring class bring in a ton of kids um, which which ranked 24 uh, 7 ranked uh, top in the Sun Belt um, so we know how great of a recruiter Lunsford is, not just Lunsford, um, but, you know, this entire staff. I mean, uh, you know, Scott Sloan, a former uh, recruiting coordinator at App State, um, you know, it just just uh, top to bottom, you know, we, we've got great recruiters. Um, so it will be great to see, you know, uh, with, with even more time to work with, you know, how the staff, um, you know, fills out this recruiting class. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see where they kind of focus here on out, right? You know, with six offensive linemen already committed to us, do we continue to go after more offensive linemen? Or do we feel pretty set right there, and do we start to work on something else and go after that? Um, You know, I think – I know that we heard a lot of people kind of comment or or complain about, you know, not really going after running backs um, last recruiting period. Um, but in my opinion, and, and Matt, you know, if you're, if you think differently, you know, say so, but I think we're fine at running back. I think if we just oh, recruit yeah. one running back, this, this recruiting class, I think, I think we're doing okay. Um, because I think the depth is there. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think forward. with Logan, Wright, I mean, we've talked about him and then with LaRoche and yeah, I think if you get one just to kind of add extra depth, I mean, I, th- I think those, those are probably your, your two running backs, you know, of, of, of the future at Georgia Southern. Yeah, definitely. And and here's the thing, you know, these offensive linemen that we got are not small guys. I mean, these guys are like 6'4", 6'5", big, 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 big guys. I mean, we have some guy that's 6'7", 300 pounds. That's huge. Well, and we've seen that before, though, right? And And I know it scares a lot of people because when we saw it before, it was like, when uh you know summers in his first year and even going back to um you know bbg and and hatcher and you know with a you know more passing and breaking away from those those smaller you know fast lateral movement offensive linemen with uh you know under center option and all this but people have to understand that with with the best with with the gun option that he runs, you know, he, he does want to incorporate more passing. I mean, I think that's clear and you know, it is more zone blocking schemes and you, and you do need those bigger guys to do that. Let's just hope that we're not, um, you know, sacrificing athleticism for getting these big frames. Yeah. That, and that's, that's going to be the key. Um, is that, that, that we're, that we're still getting athletic big guys. Um, that can that can really dominate the line and, and control the line of scrimmage, because that's where I mean that's where you win football games. Um, you know, if we can't control that line of scrimmage on the offensive side of the ball, our running backs aren't going to find the holes, and it's going to be a long day for us on the football field. Yep, absolutely. So uh, we will we will cover uh, more of that. Um, uh, coming up uh, in, in in later episodes, and certainly uh, going into the spring uh, with with recruiting and how the recruiting recruiting class is uh, shaping up. But um, you know, for now, I, I guess that's it, Cody. Uh, we'll uh, we'll pick this up next week once we find out where we're going bowling, and we'll we'll break down uh, you know some early uh, scouting reports of of our matchup, and uh, also you know the. Uh, the the destination and and the bowl itself and and some stuff about that and uh, you know some some fun things to come. 
yeah, I definitely can't wait. Um, and man, if we can get 10 wins, that, that will just be just phenomenal. I just cannot wait. Yeah. It, it's crazy. I mean, to, to really think about how far we've come, um, you know, that's one of the things that we, we didn't mention, but I mean, I, I think it's safe to say, you know, I know he's not maybe getting the love on, on the national level, but, um, I, I think it's to say that, uh, coach Lunsford is a shoe in for some belt conference, um, coach of the year. Yeah, he definitely should. I know that some of the Louisiana fans may say that Napier should should have consideration, but you know, let's be honest. You know, he Lunsford took over a much worse situation than the Napier did in, in Louisiana. Um, and and quite frankly, we have a uh, a better record, um, conference and overall. So you know, uh, I think yeah, Lunsford's definitely a shoe in for for Sun Belt Coach of the Year if he doesn't get it. I don't, I'll be, I'll be completely flabbergasted, um, and, and think that, that it's rigged, that he didn't get it. Um, but he should get it. And as far as the national stage, um, he should be honored for it, but at the same time, selfishly, I'm hoping that he doesn't. Um, yeah. Cause it brings because, more attention. Exactly. Exactly. Win, winning, winning the conference coach of the year certainly, uh, you know, doesn't put as many eyes on you as, as winning that national national award. Yep. Exactly. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I think I, I think I saw a graphic uh, floating around out there that um, you know he's tied with with Dan Mullen uh, for for uh, number two with uh, first year head coaches uh, with with nine wins, um, only behind uh, Josh Heibel at UCF, obviously with with eleven. So, um, so that's yeah, I mean, great company to be in. Yeah, just fantastic company. So, I mean. Um, you know, if, if that's the, the, the path that, that we're on then and, and we can retain him, then, yeah, only just really exciting things to come. So um, so for Cody, I'm Matt. Um, thanks, as always, for listening to Gotta Talk, and uh, we'll pick this uh, up next week um, when we uh, talk about going bowling. Hail Southern, Matt. Hail Southern. Thank you for listening to Gotta Talk. Be sure to visit our website, gotatalk.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Gatatalk Podcast for more news and coverage of Georgia Southern football. Reach out with questions, share your thoughts, or suggest topics on our social media channels or by emailing us at gatatalkpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, Eagle Nation, Gata and Hail Southern. Thank <laughs> you.